surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up my life from the pit. O Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, what in the belly of a while? Thanking God? True. <laughs> but I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Almighty conclusion, wasn't it, to his prayer. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Well, what are you doing there, Jonah? In the middle of the belly of the wire. What are you doing there, mate? And we can call him mate because, in actual fact, we're actually no different than what Jonah is. Running from God, doing our own thing, fighting against God, our own ideas. So in a sense, we could all be running from God. So we call him mate this morning. Say, what are you doing there, Jonah? What are you doing there? He says, I'm praying. I've taken the words of Jesus. When you pray, go into your closet and close the door. But of course, he hadn't met Jesus, so he can't really apply that thought anyway. But um, here's Jonah in the belly of the whale. And um, the immediate thing is we have to confront ourselves with, is the story true? Because there are a lot of people who don't think it's true. Now, if people don't believe in God or believe the Bible, it's true. Uh, or it's, um, we can, I can accept that, you know, that people don't believe it's true because they generally don't believe the Bible's true. Anyway, but um, in fact it's true at least for one reason alone that Jesus reckoned it was true when he was here because he referred to it. And if you don't remember anything about the story being true, just remember that Jesus thought it was true. And so that's one of the best reasons to take. And that actually comes in to what I want to say later. But... Here we are, second week into Jonah. So I need to recap on what's, where Steve was last week. And um, he opened up the Bible book of Jonah, introducing the person and the narrative. Now, the narrative is good for kids. They love it, don't they? And, um, yeah, I can remember it from far back as I was alive, really, and could remember three, four, five years of age. It's one of the kids' stories, isn't it? But um, it has to be much more than that, than just a child's story. But anyway, Steve reminding us that it was a true story. It was dealing with real people, dramatic circumstances, supernatural intervention, unparalleled outcome. One commentator said this was the greatest revival the earth has ever known. I don't know whether I could verify that or not, but he was an evangelist, and he saw it the greatest revival that this whole nation, including from the king downwards, repented and turned to God. So in a sense, we could say, yes, it had an unparalleled outcome. We look for things like that to happen today, don't we? 
but it also had an eternal perspective as well. It wasn't only good for now, but it was good for the future. It was good for what we know, and as Jonah in his day, he didn't know that he was actually acting out something which Jesus would refer to 700 odd years later. And Jesus would lift his finger and say, Jonah, three days and three nights in the heart of the belly. And it reminded us of how Jesus, when he died, he was put in the tomb for three days and three nights. So yes, it had eternal perspective to the story. Steve also asked the question, why are we here? We could ask the same question this morning, why are we here this morning? We'll answer that question later again. But I also want to ask the question, why then are we reading from a Bible story, 8th century BC, for the church in the 21st century? Why are we looking at this story? What value does it have for us today? Is it important? And there's a lot of people who would say it's not important. But I've just said that this story does have eternal perspective, and it does. And it has truth for today. It has stuff that we can learn. And I just want to remind you uh, of a verse uh, uh, from a letter that is, comes from the New Testament, and it says this. It's in 2 Timothy 3.6, and it says, All Scripture, and this book of Jonah is Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking and training in righteousness. Now in a sense, the church should be in that place today. We here this morning, we're here for teaching. In other words, we look into the Bible and we teach from the Bible. That's, as elders here, that's our goal, that we want to teach from the Bible, not other places as it were. The Bible is, is where we get our truth from. Correcting, so if we, our lives need correcting in any way, scripture is useful for that, and that it's profitable, and that's what we need. Correcting and training in righteousness. And that means that what we read this morning has this, Im or should have this impact upon us. It's actually giving us something that we can do in our lives so that we be may become as God wants us to do. And more importantly in this context, that we should think the same way as God does. We should learn to think the same way as God does. And that was a lesson for Jonah. He thought as an Israelite that having enemies against them, even probably the worst enemies they'd ever known, that he had a right to sit in judgment upon his enemies and not have a message of hope and mercy for them. That's what he thought. We find Jonah in this situation where he's a man who knew what repentance was, the ability for his mind to be changed, to think the same way that God did. And part of turning towards God is actually getting ourselves in the place to think the same way as God does. If you remember it right at the, the outset of creation, that man was created in the image of God. That means to say, you and I are more like God than we think we are. We're more like God than we actually know we are. There's more in us that's God-like than we could ever reckon with. But because we have sinned and fallen away, a lot of that has been lost. 
And so coming back to the place that God wants us to be, thinking the same way as God does. And that's where Jonah was in that sense. So Jonah's in the belly of the whale. He's come, Jonah himself, he's come to the end of himself. He's come to the end of himself. And there are many situations in life where families, people, individuals come to the end of themselves and they don't know what to do. I don't know where anyone's ever been in that situation. When you come to the end of yourself, there's nothing actually that you can grasp hold of around you that actually gives you hope and can take you forward. It's a sort of a dead-end situation. But we've been singing about the resurrection this morning of Jesus. That was a beyond-death experience. When you come to the end of the road, there's more. So Steve's question last week, why are we here, finds answers in Jonah. And if we can't find it, it catapults us to other parts of this great book where we can. So then we have a fishy tale. But the facts are no less real today as they were then. Jonah, by his own suggestion, is thrown overboard by the mariners when they realise that he is the reason for this seafaring calamity. God, having prepared a great fish to swallow him, he has had to take up residence in the cooler for three days at God's intervention. That's a modern term, though, when you put someone away to learn a lesson. Isn't that right? And I think Jonah was put in the cooler. It was a lot more than that, but that's just a modern slant on how we could see it. So what do we see in the belly of the whale? And we have to realise that that's where he is. There's a sense of grasping physically, but he is also grasping spiritually. But he's not grasping at straws. Life seems to be like that sometimes, doesn't it? You trying to find the answer. You can't find it. You can't find the answer, you're grasping. In the sense we see Jonah like that, he's in distress, and he's talking, and he's thinking, and he's looking back, and he's looking forward, and he's in this place, and he's grasping, but he's not grasping at straws. So here's Jonah all alone, cut off from the land of the living, watery, messy, smelly, seemingly hopeless and out of reach, facing the great doorway to death, which closes behind him, never to return. Maybe his life flashes before him in his distress, as it would anyone in that deathful experience. I've heard people say, you've heard people say, I thought I was going to die. My life flashed before me in that moment. And that's a very real experience. But if our life flashes before us and we've not seen any connection with God and his truth, that's a very sad place to be. It's a lost place to be as far as the Bible is concerned. Your life flashes before you and there's nothing to hold on to, nothing to grasp out and to hold on to. There he is. However... It is at this same point in time 
there is a turning in Jonah's thinking, in his intelligence, his, his understanding. In actual fact, he can't do anything physically. Can he? But he does have something spiritually to grasp out and hold on to, and we'll look at that in a minute. It is this repentant, the idea of repentance the Bible talks about, and sometimes it's, it's a word we shun away from sometimes, partly because we don't understand it, and partly because we've probably had um, bad experience of the word being or spoken over us. Sometimes we get the idea that repentance means falling spread eagle on the, on the ground, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe it's a wrong concept of repentance that, that we have in our mind, or maybe we've, we've seen preachers or heard preachers thumping the platform. Turn to God! You awful sinners, you! Get right with God now and repent before the day of evil comes. That's for the hardliners in this church, all right? But maybe we've had a bad experience of that. But the concept from the Bible concept of it is totally different. I was mentioned partly just now, God wants us to bring us to the place where we actually think the same way that he does. It's a change of our mind so that we when act upon it, we find we're doing what he wants. We've not only mentally arrived at the place where we accept what is true, but then we do something about it. We turn around, as it were. We, we say, oh, I'm going in the wrong direction. I, I, I need to change my life, my habits. I need to change this, that, and the other. I need to change, but how can I do it? I can't do it. No, we can't do it. But the concept is there. Mental understanding truth that we can hold on to, truth which is believable, truth that is workable, something we can work with, and you say, yeah, it's time for me to change. And we say to God, I can't do it myself. And so we turn around. So here's Jonah. So I just want to say to you, don't let your seeming failures shout back at you. Don't let your seeming failures shout back back of you. I want now to give you a little phrase. Jonah, he wasn't grasping at straws, but he had holistic currency. Now you say, what's that about? We're faced with holistic medicines today, and they say they can cure everything. We're actually um, introduced to people, gurus, and say they can sort everything out for us and say, I've got the total answer for you. There is no total answer outside God. There is no total answer outside of God. So I want to use that word holistic carefully. And it means this. Dealing with or treating the whole of something or someone and not just a part. And not just a part. We can say, oh, I find Christianity is a good way of life. 
I will start to do good. And so you start to do good, you maybe stop telling lies, or you start saying, hello, neighbour, love you today. Well, he should get his car out of the way, sort of thing. <laughs> and we could go round, and you would feel better somehow about that. But it only partly served to make you feel better. That is not holistic. It deals with a part of you which you want it to deal with. Which you want it to deal with. Maybe it's something else. You say, well, uh, these Christians are good. I'll start reading my Bible. That's a good thing to do. So you maybe start reading your Bible. So you read it. You say, hmm, that's good. I knew that. I agree with that. Hmm, that's good. And you go away and you put it down and uh, you leave it there. You say, well, I've learned something today and you feel good about it, but it's not holistic. It makes you feel better or it could make you feel better. It deals with part of you that maybe just increases your understanding and gives you more knowledge. So I just want for a few minutes, I just want to speak about holistic currency. What Jonah had that served him well in the belly of the whale. And what served him well in the belly of the whale can serve us well today. I don't know if any of you have heard of Bitcoin. It's a new currency, isn't it? It's aggravating and exciting the financial markets and single investors. Some are risking at a level of uncertainty and inappropriate known to the financial gurus of our generation. Within our story, we find Jonah, we find currency good for Jonah, good for the evil enemies of Israel, good for the world, and good for each one of us today, right up to the day Jesus reappears. The first thing, this holistic currency, the first thing that Jonah knew and had was the presence of God the presence of God. Even in that awful place, he knew and understood the presence of God. We're here today as a church, and I can tell you with absolute certainty that because we're here meeting together in Jesus' name, the presence of God is here. You may not feel it. You may not totally understand it. But it's here. And there are two reasons for that. Because Jesus said when he was here, when they gather in my name, I come too. I'm there. So in a sense, Jesus, in the reality of his person, although not seen, is here. The presence of God. Last week, Steve reminded us of that verse from Psalms. Where can I go from your presence? Now, the interesting thing here is that Jonah was running from the presence of God, and yet he knew it in the belly of the whale. I think that's quite amazing. The presence of God. When Paul, the apostle, a New Testament writer and uh, apostle in the church, he was... Um, Athens, wasn't it? I think it was. He said, God is not very far from any one of us. 
people, if we're people, then God is nearer than you think he is. But the amazing thing is that Jonah here experiences and knows the presence of God in an awful situation. The presence of God. So when we get in situations in life which are so awful, we think they're beyond repair. I just want to assure you this morning, don't forget the presence of God. Because he knows you better than you know yourself. In a sense, he's near. And in a sense, a greater sense, we can know him within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God. That was currency that couldn't be changed. It was holistic because it covered every part of Jonah's need. The presence of God. When we go home, when we go out in the streets, when we're in different situations, it's the presence of God goes with us. And we don't know it sometimes. But other people do, and other people can experience this. With Jesus in our lives and the Holy Spirit at work, we actually take the presence of God with us. And that's the way Jonah's talking. There's a confidence here in the belly of the whale, which is almost unbelievable. There's a reaching out, not just grasping at straws, it's just currency. He can work with this. It gives him hope. It's currency. It's tradable. So the first thing is the presence of God. The second thing is prayer. Now Margaret read a little bit in her Bible reading this morning and she rehearsed it in my ear as we was coming, coming along this morning. And I'm just going to ask her to remind me what it was. Was it the church? The church at prayer is the house of God, or church, you know, people come running, you know. When we, when we become, as a church, the house of prayer, people come running. Because we know as Christians that prayer is powerful. This is currency, brothers and sisters, people of God, that we're losing. And we need to get hold of it again. It's currency. It's workable. You can trade with it, with God. And here in this awful, mucky situation, Jonah has currency in his pocket. And that's talking to God. And I would venture to say that every person born on the face of this planet has the capacity to pray. It's a natural thing that's built within us to communicate with our Creator. But we don't use it, and it gets forgotten. But the life of the Christian seeks to restore this and to make much of it, which is what Jonah did. When he needed it, he prayed. So that's the currency he has. The next thing is the Scriptures, or our Bibles. The book which holds the truth. The book which is undeniably the mouth of God. The book which can't be replaced by any other book. 
When I used to go into the schools with the Gideons, I used to take a little stone in my pocket and a little bean seed. And I used to show them the, the, the stone and the bean seed, and the stone has no life in it. But the seed does. If you give it water, it will grow. If you give it the right environment, it will produce a lot. And the same thing is here. What Jonah knew, he didn't, he didn't have a Bible and he couldn't even read it and he didn't have a light if he did have it. So it was a bit dark in there, so it's a bit of a useless thing. But in his heart, he had God's truth. Because he read what God meant to David and God meant to Samuel and other people as well, he knew. He was a seeker after the truth and it was found in the canon of scripture, if we like. Now, the New Testament calls the Old Testament scripture. New Testament is not technically scripture, but we now include it as part of scripture. The Old Testament is basically scripture. God's word to us. And we read earlier that verse in the New Testament, all scripture is given and is profitable. So now, what did Jonah have? He had the scriptures. He'd said, where can I flee from your presence? And he's talking about the waves rolling up. He was repeating truth that other people had learned were valuable. So Jonah has truth. If we ignore reading our Bibles, we are losing opportunities for God to speak to us. Also learning the best ways of living our lives. And actually learning what God wants is that we now think like God does. We now begin to think like God does. The next thing that Jonah learns, the power of combating the all-consuming lie. The battle of consuming the all-consuming lie. Here was a man who disobeyed God, but he wasn't rejected by God. But the thing is, in this world, he could have felt so rejected that he said, well, he did, in a sense, he did say that while he was thinking, it was going through his mind, let me die. I don't want to be part of this anymore. I want to be out of it. I've had enough. But in a sense, in the belly of the world, he had the fight the truth which came against. He was a rebel, but he wasn't rejected. He was accepted by God, even though he'd run away from God. And I think that's an amazing place to be. I want to come back to that in a moment. And there's one other thing. There are other things, but the other thing that we learn in verse 8 was this. The all elusive love the all elusive love this world which we live in maybe even you this morning within us is something that's crying out for love I wish I knew the secret to be loved to be loved an actual fact it's God that made that love known not the Eros love 
all the other loves, but the love that loves you, that thinks so much of you that he gave his son to die for you. The all-elusive love. This is the words of Jonah. He said, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. So in the belly of this whale, he has money in his pocket. This awful situation, he has something to hold on to. He wants to take hold of it. And you know we can too. There's a verse in the New Testament that goes like this. One of the letters says, To know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge. And in the belly of the whale, he was knowing a God who loved him. And I just want to say to you this morning, if you want to know love, what it really is, you want to find something of it, it we actually experience it through a different dimension. We, 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 we experience it supernaturally because that's the way God does it, but it can fill that void of love. It can fill that void of love. The all-elusive love, which you cannot find anywhere else in this world, can be found in the heart of God to be found in the heart of God. Reach out. We're in a good situation and probably we don't reach out as we should do. But through Jesus, God wants us to know the love of God. That's the currency that Jonah had in the belly of the whale. And we can have it too. And I just want us to... I'm going to I've got other stuff. I'm going to leave it there because I feel this morning... I don't know if it's possible to get the musicians back at it at all, or are they all gone? Yeah, you're there, Steve. Good. You right there, Ivan? Are you? You're looking after the baby. Okay. Well, just a little bit of music will be okay. That's fine. I tell you where we're going. I just feel this morning that uh, one thing that Jonah knew that having failed God so miserably, he didn't feel rejected. I just want to bring a ministry time for anybody who maybe in their life has felt rejected, or at this moment you feel rejected by a family member or a friend, and you feel someone's turned against you for some reason, because God... He would want to heal that and for you to know what it is to be accepted. And we'd love to pray for you if you feel you want to be accepted this morning. And I believe God wants to heal physically, mentally and physically this morning. And um, anybody who's felt this earlier this morning, that um, anybody who's had problem with a lymph gland either having it removed or operated on, or it's been part of a serious thing uh, for 